You know how we've been talking about State of Jefferson all these years here? Yep. Here in Southern Oregon. It's been talked about since World War II. Uh, Greg, next I'm going to be talking with Daniel Miller, and he's the president of the Texas Nationalist Movement, and he says that there is actually, that they are serious now, and that there is a growing push to have not just, not a state of Texas, but a country of Texas. So even going beyond uh, what we look for here, uh, State of Jefferson, should be an interesting talk. Right? Yeah, well, of course, you know, remember the Alamo, all of that? That was the original push for independent yep. nation status for Texas. This isn't, this certainly isn't a new concept. And when you, when you hear all the talk about California wanting to break away and become its own country. Oh, Texas, much stronger in yeah. case, I would say. Yeah, California, California would never be able to do it and, and remain autonomous. They'd go broke inside of the first year because they just have way too much debt obligation. Texas, on the other hand, they don't have nearly the debt obligation that California does. They're not trying to fund every social justice program known to man. Uh, you know, they've got themselves set up a lot better. I think there's actually some validity for Texas being able to do this if that really truly becomes a move, you know, that that's not something that people should just laugh off and say that's crazy. Yep, I would agree. And uh, we'll talk with him about it. And maybe there are some things that uh, people who are looking for a state of Jefferson and some lessons they can take from what is going on in Texas right now as we speak. We'll talk on Friday again, Greg. All right. Thank yeah, you. Sounds good. And yeah, what you just said about those people who are really serious about trying to pull off state of Jefferson. I mean, let's not forget, had it not been for Pearl Harbor, it would have happened. Jefferson was 10 days away from being a reality back in 1941. I agree. It would have happened back then for sure. Yeah. I, I honestly think that. But anyway, we'll talk Texas. Thanks for being thanks for being on the show. 19 minutes after 7, KMED and KCMD and uh, the Hearts in Texas stir for Texas. Trader Chainsaw has received new shipments of Carhartt spring and summer clothing. Save 25% on Carhartt short sleeve pocket t-shirts and shorts at Crater Chainsaw. You know you're going to need some quality spring and summer outdoor wear. Why not shop the best selection today? Crater Chainsaw carries men's t-shirts sizes small to 4X and over 20 colors to choose from. They also carry talls from large to 3X. Save 25%. Are you looking for Carhartt shorts? Crater Chainsaw carries shorts in men's sizes 28 up to size 50. Save 25%. They also carry women's shorts. Crater Chainsaw carries the styles and colors you love. And right now, you can save big on Carhartt at Crater Chainsaw. Hurry in for the best selection. If you love Carhartt, you need to get to Crater Chainsaw and save 25% on Carhartt pocket t-shirts and shorts. Carhartt, big and tells, short and smalls, Crater Chainsaw has them all. Serving the Rogue Valley for 53 years at 1321 North Riverside in Medford. Parking and entrance behind the building. The best time to buy a boat is now. Waterworld Boat and Power Sport has their annual preseason boat show prices on every boat and watercraft in stock, including arriving 2018s and remaining 17s. Tracker and Kingfisher, Axis and Malibu Wake Boats, Bayliner Runabouts, Sun Tracker Pontoon Boats, Sea Dew Sport Boats, and Personal Watercraft, all at the lowest prices of the year. So hurry into Oregon's number one boat dealer, Waterworld Boat and Power Sport, on Crater Lake Highway, one mile north of Vilas in Medford. Let's see here. Fire protection? Check. Uniforms, mats, and restroom products? Check. First aid cabinets and safety products? Check. Great! So it sounds like we're ready to go. Uh, no. When I said check, I meant we still need to check on all those things. Just call Cintas. They can handle all of it. It's what they do. Okay. Call Cintas. Check. I mean, got it. Oh, I'm ready! 
Learn how CentOS can help you get ready for the workday. Visit CentOS.com. Building relationships during recovery from mental and substance use disorders can put the strength of family and community behind you. We're all connected, offering encouragement, support, and hope. Join the Voices for Recovery. Strengthen families and communities. For confidential information on mental and substance use disorders, including prevention and treatment referrals for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. What is your emergency? I think I may be a total idiot. I don't know nothing. Sir, that is a double negative. You're actually saying you do know something. See, I'm a moron. Then I suggest listening to a news and talk station. I don't know if I can take any more celebrity news. Hurry up before it's too late. Get more smarter. Thanks for being so perspicacious. I'm feeling Cisco Battalion already. With KMED and 99.3 KCMD. You're waking up with the Bill Myers Show on FM 1067 and in Grants Pass. FM 99.3 KMED. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, Daniel Miller. First off, Daniel is president of the Texas Nationalist Movement, and he's been an outspoken advocate on uh, all of the TV networks, really, for Texas not just being more independent, but just being an independent country itself. In fact, they're starting to turn it Texit. He wrote a book about it. In fact, I'll hold it up to the uh, Facebook camera here. It says, uh, Texit, why and how Texas will leave the union. Daniel, welcome to the show. Good morning, sir. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me on. When did you start with this? Because one part I found fascinating in your book is how, for years, people who would actually bring up uh, the possibility of Texas going its own way peacefully and becoming another country, another nation, rather than just uh, a state in the union, they got in trouble, they were smeared, they would lose jobs, they would lose business, I mean, just all sorts of things. And did that happen with you when you first ended up coming to the movement? Yeah, I can tell you, uh, when I finally, back in 1996, when I was introduced to the idea, you know, it was not one that I, that I came to lightly. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking to a guy who's... Uh, First marriage was uh, the the color scheme was red, white, and blue. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> okay. It was my my dad fought in the Korean War. You know, I mean, you, you know, it was not something that, that came lightly to me. But when it was presented, it, it really it ticked off all the boxes. And so, August twenty fourth, nineteen ninety six. You know, I made the decision to to get involved in in making Texas an independent country and. You know, it was uh, it was tough uh, back then. I mean, for you know, for really almost a, a decade, uh, it was it was a, an uphill it was an uphill climb. It was a fight, and and there was a level of persecution. You know, when I when I see some of the things that are going on with some of the TV and radio hosts now, or, or conservative leaning companies, or you know this this backlash. I mean, that was our that was our everyday existence. Just because we had this this idea, this belief uh, that the best people to govern Texas were Texans, and that we dared question the orthodoxy of uh, you know just this unex this uh, unquestioning loyalty to a political and economic union, uh, we were we were persecuted for it. But you know the. That was that was those days, and and what we have seen is that perseverance pays. 
The reason I wanted to talk with you more about this is that uh, there has been a slow burn of an effort uh, not to become an independent state, but even just to have a state of Jefferson. I don't know if you're familiar with that in southern Oregon and northern California, that there's been conversation about that. And and, and frankly, I have to tell you, people that uh, promote it are also kind of thought to be, ah, you're crazy. It's never going to happen. Oregon will never let you, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure you kind of heard the same uh, the same sort of talk, you know, back in the early part of Texas, of Texit, so to speak, right? Right. Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's a fallacy of thought to believe that the way things are or the way they will always be. Uh, and especially when it comes to the, this idea of, of political establishments, uh, you know, that there there's this somehow this idea that the, the federal union is this immutable thing. And, you know, they people imbue it with with qualities usually reserved for the almighty. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, one of the you know when I when I take uh, in the book and and of course over the years as I've taken the task, the Supreme Court decision of Texas versus White, uh, I'm I'm very specific about that because Sam, the Chief Justice of the time, Salmon P. Chase, began to ascribe these these uh, qualities to the Federal Union that were only reserved for for God at the time. You know, this idea that it was indestructible, that it was immutable. Uh, but, you know, that's that's all fallacy. Look, w- what we know is this. Uh, we know that uh, that the political landscape always changes. Uh, we know that even those people that are the quickest to tell us that the union and the nature of the relationship between the states cannot be changed are the ones that are working, uh, working their hardest to change that relationship to steal more of our personal freedoms and to rob the states of their individual identities and their sovereignty. Uh, They are the very ones who converted it from a a political and economic union, as the framers and founders intended, into this monolithic bureaucratic super state that serves no one and fixes nothing. Yeah, that claims the, uh, the ability and the power to regulate absolutely every part of your life, from the toilet to the light bulbs you can use, the cars you can drive, where and how you can use energy, et cetera, et cetera. I guess uh, the point being, something that I would remind people of, too, uh, Daniel, and Daniel Miller, once again, is here, and his book is Texit, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. People say that, uh, well, the war between the states, the Civil War, pretty much settled it all. And I would remind people that, Actually, there was no legal justification or settlement that came out of that. It was really just if you try to leave the country, we'll kill you. Wasn't that really <laughs> what what the result was of the war between the states? I mean, effectively, when it yeah. comes to a power relationship? Yeah, it's, it's interesting uh, because the, the, the ones that are the quickest to, to tell us that, uh, that a state leaving the union is unconstitutional are the ones that refuse to put up or shut up when we say, well, please point out the, the section of the Constitution that prevents a state from leaving the Union. You know, they, they have this odd misconception somehow that, uh, that the Constitution uh, somehow forbids states from leaving the Union. You know, it, it, somehow the Federal Union is the Hotel California, right? You check You can always check out, but you can never leave. Or it's kind of like being part of the mafia. Once you join and you swear the oath, hey, we can't let you go or else we're going to whack you. That kind of thing. You know, given (laughs) given the way that the bureaucrats are and the character of the bureaucrats, I would would refer to it more like the Roach Motel. Oh, okay. Uh, You know, that's the way way they view it. But, you know, that's the thing about it is, you know, the the Civil War, uh, obviously if, if anyone believes that the Civil War settled anything, 
uh, they haven't been paying attention because these conversations about the nature and the scope of the federal union have continued ever since the Civil War. Uh, you know, the fact that we see numerous academic conferences held every year talking about this idea of, of states leaving political unions both here in the United States and, and internationally. The fact that at the end of World War II there were 54 recognized countries uh, in the world, and at the end of the 20th century there were 192. And somehow these, these people feel like, even in the absence of a constitutional prohibition or in the absence of a federal law, uh, and even though constitutional law and international law and, uh, you know, Supreme Court decisions subsequent to the Civil War show that states still reserve the right of self-determination. These people throw these ridiculous arguments out there in the face of all logic, reason, and fact. Daniel Miller, once again, is president of the Texas Nationalist Movement, been outspoken on this matter of Texas for uh, a good uh, 22 years here, uh, going on 23 here pretty soon. Uh, Daniel, we're going to go through news here in just a minute, and I want to talk a bit about and focus on the unique character of Texans that you believe makes them well-suited for actually forming their own nation and actually peacefully leaving the United States of America. We'll be right back with you here in just a moment. 770-5633, if you'd like to, uh, to talk with Daniel, too. I just find it a fascinating topic about Texit and why he believes it'll happen. I'm Joshua Grainer. I was injured in a parachuting accident in the Army, and I live with chronic pain. It inspired me to specialize in pain management. A good night's sleep is very important for managing chronic pain. Here are a few tips. First, go to sleep and wake up at the same time each day. Avoid caffeine 12 hours before bedtime, and avoid bright screens such as laptops an hour before bed. For more tips on managing your pain, visit staysafeoregon.org. KMED and KCMD News, sponsored by All Well and Pump Service, your authorized dealer for Avid Water Systems and Gould's Pumps. Here's a look at your headlines from KMED and KCMD News. I'm Shane Michaels. A routine traffic stop on Redwood Highway Friday afternoon led to the arrest of a local fugitive. Initially, Josephine County Sheriff's deputies pulled over 36-year-old Santino Sandoval for expired tags on his vehicle. Upon further investigation, deputies found that Sandoval was wanted for multiple probation and parole violations. In other news, prescription drug turn-in days collect tons of drugs for humans, but what about your pets? Bradford reports a study shows veterinarians could do a better job telling pet owners what to do with unused drugs. A study by Oregon State University found more than 60% of veterinarians don't counsel their clients on properly disposing of unused pet medication and care products, and that means they get thrown out in the garbage or flushed. And that's leading to some negative impacts in the water, in the water, in the environment, and to species. Jennifer Lamb is part of the research team and says veterinarians could make a difference by telling pet owners what they should do. To provide information on how to dispose of their medicine. There are already systems in place for unused human drugs, and those can also be used for pet meds. Collection boxes, community centers, or law enforcement agencies. Lamb says the study brings awareness to properly disposing of all medicine to better benefit the environment. And get ready, Rogue Valley baseball fans. After a most excellent season where they claim the Great West League Championship, the Medford Rogues are just a few weeks away from taking the diamond for a new season. From the KMD and KCMD Newsroom, I'm Shane Michaels. This hour of the Bill Meyer Show is proudly sponsored by Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros. Name brand tires and full service auto repair on Main Street in Phoenix. 
Hi, this is Kit from Murphy Hemp Company, your CBD store for health and wellness. Murphy Hemp Company has the largest selection of full-spectrum hemp products in the valley. We provide all-natural solutions for pain relief, anxiety, sleep disorders, and overall wellness. Hemp CBDs are extremely safe and non-psychoactive. Call 541-862-7420 for the best way to meet your wellness needs. Murphy Hemp Company, the valley's CBD store. Three locations to serve you, Murphy, Grants Pass, and Merlin. Visit our website at murphyhempcompany.com. Abortion. It's a word some people won't even utter because it hurts too much. Regardless of your beliefs or thoughts about abortion, it may be a hard reality for people you know. Statistics indicate that many of us have made that difficult decision. It's time we talked about it. Some people feel fine, but many of us experience guilt and regret. If you've had or been involved in an abortion and you would like a safe, confidential place to talk about it, please call the Pregnancy Care Center in Grants Pass. That's 479-6264. Your Grants Pass Pregnancy Care Center. Inspiring hope, empowering you. Electrical infrastructure isn't something we take lightly. Having over 25 years of commercial experience, we know a thing or two at Day Electric. We'll help you find better lighting solutions to help reduce energy costs. LED lighting reduces energy use, saving your business money on electric bills. Provide a better environment for your customers. And don't leave your business in the dark. Call today for a free same-day estimate or visit us at dayelectric.com. Day Electric, done right since 1992. You're getting the day started with Bill Meyer on FM 1067 and in Grants Pass, FM 99.3 KMED. 734, it's not just California talking about uh, busting up into three states. There's Texas actually talking about uh, leaving the union itself. And it's actually it's actually gaining, I don't know if I want to call it uh, acceptable public discourse. I mean, I imagine there are people who are still rolling your eyes, but Daniel Miller is here. And uh, he's the president of that movement. Texit is his book and why and how Texas will leave the union. All right. Uh, so, Daniel, you wrote this book because you actually wanted other states to actually consider the same kind of thinking or at least pose the question to themselves, uh, you know, to their voters, to the citizens, to the residents of these states on what they want to belong to. Isn't that part of the reason for doing this? It really is. Uh, you know, that while the, the focus of the book is obviously Texas, uh, in a general sense, the underlying themes of, of self-government and self-determination, and, uh, you know, they, they speak to a, to a global audience. But even more importantly, as I go through the book and I talk about, uh, you know, really a, a lot of the, the challenges, wh- whether it be the structural challenges uh, with the political and economic aspects of the union, or talking about just how absolutely broken the federal government is. Uh, those, are, those are issues that don't just apply to Texas. The, the structural deficits, uh, and, and especially the, you know, the imminent implosion of, of really the, the, federal, the national debt or any, any number of programs, whether it be Social Security, uh, you know, wh- whatever it is, those really fuel that and, and apply to all the states equally. Daniel, I'm kind of curious, are you pushing Texas as a movement right now to more or less be prepared for if or when the federal government just goes insolvent to the point where they just can't say no? Kind of curious about that. Well, I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll answer it really from two aspects. First and foremost, you know, as an advocate of Texas independence and as president of the you know, one of the largest independence organizations in the world. 
Uh, I can tell you that, that our position and my position personally is regardless of what is going on with the federal government, uh, regardless of, of what's going on uh, with current events, we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Texans would be better off as an independent nation. Uh, that we were, if we were governing ourselves, we would do much better, we would be more prosperous. And, and there are a lot of reasons to, to show why that is. Uh, but beyond that, uh, I think to speak to your point, there is a, a ticking clock on this. Uh, and if anyone wants to see that ticking clock, all you have to do is go look at the national debt clock. You know, we're sitting on a, a $21 trillion time bomb, not to mention the unfunded liabilities, uh, not to mention the fact that, you know, as I quote in the book from multiple sources and multiple reports, uh, the looming Social Security retirement crisis, uh, whether we talk about the, the student debt uh, bubble that's going to burst or the consumer debt bubble that's going to burst or, you know, the, the fact that we've got uh, essentially uh, multiple groups within this, uh, within this federal union that are fighting for control over it that have diametrically opposed views on issues of, of governance and culture and morality and so many different things. So there, there is a ticking clock on this, and there is a sense of urgency to make this happen, not just for Texas, but other states as well. All right. Um, what is it about Texan culture or the way Texans view themselves that make them maybe more suited for independent nation, an independent nation than other states, let's say? You were, you were talking about even how people describe themselves as either Americans or Texans first, and I thought that was quite fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's rather interesting. Look, uh, so much of how we view ourselves uh, is rooted in our history. Uh, Texans have had a, a heritage and a history of self-government, individual liberty, of fierce independence. Uh, well, know, by the way, you're the only state that came into the Union as its own republic at first. It, it, was, it was already its own republic before, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, look, we as the Republic of Texas, you know, once we left Mexico, uh, we were an independent, an uh, independent, self-governing nation for nine years. You know, racked with war debt from Mexico, and uh, you know the costs that were associated with settling the wilderness. Uh, you know, the the joke here, as much like it is in Australia, is that Texas was a, a bountiful place, but there were more often more things that could kill you than sustain you sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that it's, it's really born of, of that, uh, that time period when we were an independent Republican, even before then. Look, when Texas was part of Mexico, Texans were, people came to Texas to settle this under the invitation of the government of Mexico for a second chance. Uh, it was, you know, it was often that people would leave the United States and they would they would paint GTT on their door. It said, you know, gone to Texas, gone to Texas, uh, yeah. because they, they wanted to have a fresh start. So, you know, that's that really, I think, sort of underlies the character of Texans that look, we, we were a rowdy bunch to begin with. We're always going to be a rowdy bunch. But at the end of the day, when our backs are up against the wall, uh, we're going to side with liberty and independence and individual rights every single solitary time. Speaking with Daniel Miller, he's the author of Texit, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. Let's talk with, uh, who do we have first here? John's in Medford. John, you had a question. Go right ahead. Hey, Daniel. Uh, I quit and Bill, quick question. Daniel, would you run this Texit thing on the backs of the legislature, state legislature that just passed Article 5? 
uh, you know, went, went Article 5 last year. So, And then if you don't get it through, the, or are you going to do it on an initiative process? That was my first question. Number two, how do you get this past Houston, Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio that are totally blue? And then number three, can the judiciary stop? A, a, you know, can can a, some kind of judiciary get throw a, a kink in that get along? I'm, well, I'll tell you, John, you asked a lot of great questions there, things that I was hoping to get to, but um, I'm glad you put it out there. Uh, Daniel, you want to take a stab at any of those? Yeah, yeah, not, not a problem at all. Uh, look, I'll, I'll take them in order. Uh, number one, uh, the legislature is, is the gateway. Uh, we don't have citizen uh, initiative and referendum here. So uh, we've got to go through the Texas legislature. Uh, in the book, I include uh, draft legislation. Uh, as well as that you can actually see it on our website at texasnationalist.com. We've had an active program for a long time uh, working through the legislature to get this done. We came very close in the last session to getting uh, legislation introduced that it would have given us the vote. I feel very confident of our position when we enter into the next legislative session in January. So, uh, you know, stay, stay tuned for that. We'll see how that goes. But ultimately, it's going to be up to the citizens of Texas to put the pressure on the ledge. Uh, to get them to file the bill. What about the question that John asked about, uh, you know, getting it past Austin, San Antonio, uh, the very blue, very, I mean, maybe they like the federal government right now. I mean, how do you get it past them? Look, look, I'll, I'll tell you this. It, it's interesting because there is this, this sense that, uh, that this is a very partisan issue, right? And the polling numbers would almost seem to indicate that to a certain extent. Uh, you know, back when uh, I think in, in one of the most recent polls that was taken, it was well over a majority of Republican voters supported Texas leaving the union. Uh, but I think what's important, especially when you start talking about those larger urban areas here in Texas, is that this issue of Texas independence is a transpartisan issue. Uh, it really transcends the normal dividing lines. And, and you go back to like the 2014 poll, the Reuters Ipsos poll, right around the time of the Scottish referendum. And it showed well over half of independent voters and well over a third of Democratic voters believe that Texas should leave the union. Uh, so there is a case to be made across, I think, the entire partisan spectrum uh, on this particular issue. But that being said, uh, one of the things that we find is the areas of, of strongest support for Texas uh, are Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, and San Antonio. I mean, it's very popular in the rural areas too. Would you would you have figured that, John? Let me just ask you that. Ask you, John. Would you have thought that was the case? Well, you know, the reason I say that is I listen to WBAP all the time, and I hear, you know, I live here. I lived here in Oregon. I live here in Oregon for twenty five years, and and then I listen to I listen to what's going on down there. And I, it, I, Oregon was Daniel. Oregon was exactly like Texas twenty five years ago, but one town and four, five, six, seven counties have now. To ruin this state, and I see the same thing coming on down in Texas, where you, where the country folks are are hip to this whole thing. But man, the cities—all it takes is a couple big, big towns, and the tide is turned, and it ruins a, it ruins a beautiful place. Well, and and look, it's it's something obviously that, that everyone's concerned about. But the the fact of the matter is that the case for Texas becoming an independent nation is one that can be made equally to everyone in Texas. Uh, you know, we, the the real dividing line is not the typical what people would consider a conservative or, or liberal dividing line, a Republican Democrat. But you will concede that there's a bit more of a support from the conservative side. 
a little more con- oh, support I, from the conservative side. A- absolutely, I, absolutely. And of course, when you when you, but you have to look at that from what that argument is. And, and the argument from the conservative side is very very easy, which is, you know, the the federal government is out of its box, and and that's one that that fits very well from the conservative side. But when you begin to look at it from you know some of the other partisan issues. Uh, I think you, you know, one of the things that, that we talked about, and I, I heard you discussing uh, before I came on, was about the, the issue of Social Security. You know, that is an issue that is very near and dear to those who vote uh, who vote Democrat. Unfortunately, uh, what has happened is is that the National Democratic Party uh, has put leaders in place inside the United States Congress that have treated the Social Security retirement funds. Uh, like their own personal slush fund, and and they've looted and raided it. Yeah, and what's in there are just uh, little IOUs. They're they're special bonds that are not traded out there in the market. So every time they have to dip into the trust fund, all they're doing is just taking more money from the current tax money coming in to the federal government. That's all there is to it. It's just bottom line. Right. Uh, and one so, last you know, question. You, you, oh, okay. Well, ahead, what, what was that, John? I'll give you one more question. Then we'll. Uh, one last move on. question, Daniel. Is Abbott on board? Uh, you know, I have uh, I have made it a longstanding policy to let elected officials speak for themselves on this issue. That is a question that I would suggest that you put to Governor Abbott. Uh, I, I would say that uh, I think it's probably no mistake that the largest applause line that he got uh, when he announced his run for uh, re-election for governor started with the words, if Texas were its own nation. <laughs> yeah, but on the other hand, is that, is that something that a politician just uses to get applause lines when they're running for uh, for uh, for office, and then they just go still you know suck up to the federal government right now and get their grant stream funding? You know, what I mean? see what I'm getting at? Well, look, the, the political class here in Texas is, is uh, uh, virtually no different than the political class in Washington D.C. And I mean, look, I, I address that specifically in the book. Uh, about how the the elected class, the, I love to refer to them as the permanent political class, how they handle this issue of Texas. Uh, there has been a, a very, uh, I think, a very intricate dance that they have made. They understand the appeal of Texas independence, uh, but they have they have some some fears. And I actually detail in the book a very specific incident involving Greg Abbott when he was Attorney General. So uh, I, I would I would encourage you to to take a look at the the book and and read that entire story. It's too too lengthy to get into here, but but the bottom line is is that we it's almost a chicken and egg scenario. You know we've got the support uh, for Texas independence among the Texas voters. Uh, you know any consistently the the polling shows that there's about a twelve to sixteen percent undecided. And that those who favor Texas leaving the union typically outpoll those who want to stay. And it's becoming more socially accept. It, it's becoming more socially acceptable to admit this too publicly. And that's a big difference than when you first started talking about this 25 years ago, right? Right. And and look, that was the first step was to to take the conversation from hushed whispers over really bad cups of coffee in the back of some cafe somewhere. To, to turning this into kitchen table conversations that you're having with family, friends, coworkers, and then moving that into the mainstream political dialogue. And, and look, it's it's something that we did. We we've been able to do that. The next step for us is to to break through that that ceiling to coalesce the support that we've got here and to translate that into an actual 
public debate and a vote on the issue that, that has real consequences. And, and that really is the next step. Daniel, a friend and colleague of mine, Roger Fredenberg, he does a talk show here on our uh, station on Sunday. And he writes me this morning, and it's, it's a good question. Bill, independent, Texas, hurricane and flood bailout? What percent of Texas economy is uh, de- Department of Defense-related military? How many U.S. Corps have made Texas their uh, corporate headquarters home? Will they all leave? It's some interesting questions there, and because these are the sort of things that, well, you know, what about the military? What about those bases? What about the planes, uh, the guard, and everything else? Have you thought that? I'm sure you probably uh, war. I shouldn't say war gamed this. Maybe just uh, politically gamed this. Okay. All right. Look, I mean, those are questions that we get all the time, and uh, you know, I and I answer them all the time, which is exactly why I included it in the book. Because you know, let, let's be honest. I mean, you, you have to answer all. You have to answer those questions, and I've answered them uh, tons in the past. But you sure. You know, look. It, it, yeah, here, here's the drill down. You know, something people need to understand is when they talk about this hurricane bailout business, um, that the, the first thing that we have to tell people here in Texas is you have to remember that every federal dollar that, that, that comes back into Texas first started in the pocket of a Texas taxpayer. Okay? They didn't just create it, right? They didn't loot it from other states. And, and I can say that with confidence because – Every single solitary year, Texans overpay into the federal union to the tune of anywhere from 100 to $150 billion. And by the way, that's the way it is with the state of Oregon, too. We are a net donor state compared with many. Right. Right. And, you know, we, you know, we actually had to release a report on this about two years ago because uh, there was this, this fallacy flying around that Texas was on the receiving end of this. And you know, so we had to go pull all the federal sources and, and, and do all the math for these people because they were too lazy to do it themselves. Uh, but, but the fact of the matter is, and, and especially when Hurricane Harvey happened, look, I, I'm sitting right now where I'm at. We received over 68 inches of rain. Uh, my house was an island for about a week and a half. So I am very cognizant of what happened with Hurricane Harvey. But something you have to bear in mind is that, Prior to Hurricane Harvey, the last time that Texas had to go and, and try to get an additional influx of capital was Hurricane Ike, which also affected where I was. Now, that was 10 years prior. So you take the 100 and 100 to $150 billion every single solitary year that we overpay in the union, multiply that times 10. You know, if that money would have stayed here, we would have, been, we would have not had to ask for any of it back. But the fact of the matter is, is that consistently, every time something happens like this, and Texas has to go and say, hey, give us some of our money back, this refrain happens as though somehow, you know, Texas wants to be independent and, you know, we want our cake and we want to eat it too. No, we just wanted our some of our money back. Uh, you know, the fact is, is the federal government continues to take a haircut. Uh, you know, they, they shave off their points, their protection money, uh, and then, you know, they make us beg for our money back, and, and, you know, their apologists want to make us feel bad about it. Oh, we don't. And so what would end up happening then, if you were an independent nation, I would imagine you would have your own disaster fund that you would tax your, your uh, residents for, or, you know, find some right. way to build that up. I mean, that's the way you would do it. I guess that uh, we're, we're so used to, we can't possibly do something on our own. If, it, if it's not Uncle Sugar, it can't possibly possibly be any good i mean that is part of the uh, struggle that you fight right it, it really 
yes. You know, it, it's ha- it really is about having people think uh, about this from the standpoint of an independent nation. Like, you know, the question you threw out there, okay, well, what about a military? What are you guys going to do about a military? Exactly. Well, you know, what, what do 195 other self-governing independent nations around the world do? For a military, well, you know, they have one. I mean, you know, that's just that's how it works. Uh, you know, and they're like, well, won't these corporations pull out? Well, probably not. Uh, you know, when, because Texas, one of the reasons all these corporations are here is because Texas has a stable regulatory structure, and we don't believe in excessive government regulations. That's the federal mindset, right? So, you know, okay, so right now we have 52 Fortune 500 companies here. Uh, you know, it would probably be 152 by, you know, two years after Independence Day. So, you know, that, that's, that's the kind of thing that we have to look at. People are concerned about their paychecks. But, you know, one of the things I include in, in the book, Bill, is, is the study that was put out by George Mason University that shows that the uh, regulatory on the federal side, regulatory accumulation since 1949 has cost, uh, it basically has rendered household income 15 percent of what it should have been in the absence of all that federal regulatory accumulation. Well, you know, one of the things that independent nations get to do is set their own regulatory policy. And they also get to have treaties with surrounding nations, too. So uh, if you're your independent nation, then Texas would then negotiate with the United States. What's left of that? And off we go. huh? Uh, Bottom line, you know, uh, essentially right now, you know, most people don't realize this. But when you look at the union as this, as a political and economic union, you know, people say, well, you know, how are we going to have to pay to trade with the, the other states? It's like, well, not necessarily, because right now you've got the United States that is engaged in free trade agreements with 22 other countries. So right now, if I do business with the country of Jordan or South Korea, it's just like I'm doing business with Oklahoma, Louisiana, or Arkansas. And so you wouldn't see them throwing it up just because you became an independent nation. Okay, I get that. I have a couple minutes left here. I want to make sure and get uh, Steve the Marine, uh, of course, a uh, constitutional guy. Take it away with Daniel Miller. He's the president of the Texas Nationalist Movement. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, back during the Rick Perry uh, presidential run, I, I was on this very program uh, because I had written an essay that a state can secede by uh, ha- having a, a convention or a referendum, repealing ratification. And I also explained that uh, uh, secession and st- other parts of state sovereignty uh, the, the law in the long run before the Civil War there was a bunch of them and they were all either neutral on slavery or anti-slavery I'll, I'll, I'll get a copy of this essay to you okay all right Steve hey we really appreciate that thanks for the call all right uh, so uh, Daniel as we uh, wrap up here uh, like I said the reason you wrote this book is not just to make the case with what's going on in Texas but to have people elsewhere you're trying to light the fire and say hey it's not just Texas. It's it's about everybody else wanting to have uh, a, a bit more. Well, bottom line is to have your government, your controlling authority, just a little closer to home than everybody jumping to someone 2,000 miles away. Isn't that kind of the bottom line of what, of what you're hoping we'll see? It, it really is. You know, ultimately, you know, whether people agree with uh, the you know what's going on here in Texas and Texas wanting to be an independent nation this is a this is a conversation that needs to be had by every single citizen in every single state that is part of the United States right now uh, we need to to have a fundamental reexamination of the relationship 
that we have with one another as states. And we all need to be thinking about whether or not the best people to govern us are us or, you know, you know, two and a half million unelected bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. Uh, that is the bottom line, you know, and hopefully through this book, while, again, it speaks to us here in Texas, uh, I hope that others can begin this conversation through the lens of Texas. Are you actually raising money for it? That's the final question, because I gently chide our state of Jefferson people in saying, if you want to get serious about it, you need to raise money. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's look, you have to you have to wage this uh, like any type of, of political campaign or advocacy campaign. Uh, you know, I, I point all the time to, to what happened in Scotland in 2014 or more appropriately, uh, what happened with the U.K. Uh, and Brexit. You know, Brexit is a, is a great analog for what people need to look at. Uh, you know, you, you've got to go out there. You've got to wage this advocacy campaign to get the referendum. Uh, and then you've got to go win it. It's not enough to get it and have the conversation. You've got to go win it. And, and there are a lot of things that go along with winning political campaigns. So uh, one of the biggest challenges that we have here. Uh, with Texas and the Texas can you know the the Texas campaign overall is is one of of uh, money and and people viewing it as uh, you know a political uh, normal political advocacy campaign uh, you know and so it's one of the big challenges that we've got uh, I actually talk about it in the book as one of the biggest challenges that Texas supporters have is understanding the role that money plays in getting this done. Uh, but look, we're, we're seeing we're seeing some some positive signs moving forward. Uh, I do believe that our people are going to kind of get their head in the game on this particular issue, and they're going to come through. Look, we we've already had some great successes, uh, and really the trajectory is pushing us toward getting and winning this referendum. So. Uh, my, my my admonition to everyone is stay tuned. Okay. I have a feeling that uh, there are several people over the years that might even say in Southern Oregon, uh, could I get a passport? <laughs> so, we'll talk. We'll, we, hear, we hear that often. We'll talk more as time goes on. Uh, Daniel, a pleasure. We'll get all your information up there. The book is Texit, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. Good conversation. Thanks for being on the show today. Be well, my friend. Hey, thank you so much, Bill.